everybody who comes in, they come in happy and they leave happier. Like, you know, it's just, it's a good, it's a good place to be making people happy. Like we like to say we are, we are people's happy place. Like you, you never know what, what has happened to a person before they walk in the door. Right. And that's what we talk about as a team. Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the real pleasure of speaking with Adam Fleischer, president of Cleveland's entrepreneur organization and the founder and co-owner of The Wine Spot here in Cleveland Heights. A proud product of Cleveland, Adam joined the United States Air Force just after graduating from Cleveland Heights High School and spent four years there active duty as a medic. After relocating back to Cleveland to attend CSU, Adam got a job at a local hospital's inpatient pharmacy where he began implementation of one of the first clinical information systems, also known as an electronic medical record, in the whole country. With that experience, Adam was hired on by the company Cerner Corporation, which was recently purchased by Oracle. And after 20 years of experience in corporate America, he decided to shift his focus and energies on his passions, the Cleveland community and wine. Adam and his wife Susan followed their dream of owning their own business and being entrepreneurs by opening the wine spot in Cleveland Heights on December 16, 2011. From the onset, they wanted to be part of the local food and beverage community and began partnering with like-minded entrepreneurs like Restless Coffee, Brewnuts, Mr. Biscuit, many local microbreweries and artists all to create a relaxing destination where all feel welcome and can enjoy the fine wines, craft beer, and cocktails. In addition, Adam is an active member of the community as the creator and co-creator of the Heights Music Hop, the Cleveland Heights Happy 5K and 10K, 46 and 2 Brewing Cold Brewed Coffee, now part of Six Shooter Coffee, Bitcoin Boulevard USA, and the Wine Spot Salami. It was a lot of fun to hear about Adam's journey to entrepreneurship, the work he is doing at the Wine Spot, and understanding the role of EO, the Entrepreneur Organization, which we have heard mentioned many times throughout Lay of the Land, but are finally making the space to talk about specifically today. So with that, please enjoy my conversation with Adam Fleischer. I'm always thinking about where the, the best place to, to start these is. And uh, for, for our conversation, I had been doing a lot of thinking. I, I just finished this exercise recently where I went back and I, I re-examined the first hundred episodes of the podcast uh, through the lens of, you know, what universal lessons can we try and, and extract from the aggregate of all these amazing people building awesome things here in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. You know, what, what motivates people to build? Where, where do ideas come from? What makes for good culture and for, for leadership? And through that lens, one area that I realized I don't think I explored very explicitly, and we, you know, we kind of touched on this just before we turned on the mic here, is how important support networks are, I think, as part of the, the entrepreneurial journey. And so I've been really looking forward to this conversation. We're about to have, you know, outside of your own entrepreneurial uh, undertakings, which we'll, we'll take our time to, to talk through in a moment. Um, but I, I know you have, I think, a relatively unique perspective um, through, through EO and, and all that that entails, where you get to kind of work with so many entrepreneurs 
a few of whom who have, have been on on the podcast here who have pointed to EO as something really fundamentally important to them in their journeys. And so just looking forward to learning more about what what's happening there and, and why that seems to resonate with with so many so much. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about it. I mean, it's been a very important part of my path, you know, the past few years. I'm fortunate in that I had 20 years of corporate experience. And so that gave me a lot of experience in different areas, being a business leader, you know, experience with HR and legal and project management and employment, things like that. Uh, It certainly helped me when I opened up my business. But even with all that, there were so many things I needed so much help with and didn't know where to go until I sort of found, you know, these these safety nets for entrepreneurs in Cleveland. So we're very lucky in Cleveland to have all these organizations at our disposal to be part of, to help us out. But it's been invaluable. And, you know, I do talk about it a lot. I like talking about it because we're very <laughs> fortunate that uh, Cleveland has an extremely, extremely strong entrepreneur organization right here uh, in Cleveland to take, to take advantage of it. So I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm look. I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll we'll get there in, in your journey, but may, maybe it helps to start, you know, more more chronologically. Um, if you want to just kind of take us through a little bit of of your background, you know, your your path and interest in, in entrepreneurship, how you you got to to where you are today. Yeah, first and foremost, passionate about Cleveland. I'm from Cleveland, from Cleveland Heights, from the East Side. Was not a very good student. You know, I never did anything terribly wrong. I just was your typical kind of high school kid that didn't care about school so much. So my grades weren't that great. You know, applied to some schools, got into Ohio State, even with terrible grades back in the day. It's very different now. And just realized that if I went off to college, I really would probably just get kicked out. So I decided to go into the military, uh, went into the Air Force, became a medic, which is an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, my first assignment was labor and delivery. So imagine the stories, you know, me and my, wow. my friends would tell when I was home on leave, they were in college. I was helping to deliver babies and then did four years active duty. I had always had work. I always worked. I didn't really play sports from junior high, I delivered papers. I worked in a um, musical shop, I worked at gas stations. I was either working or keeping busy doing something else. And so I kind of had that idea that, you know, making money was a good thing to have some money in your pocket. So that was always in the back of my mind. And then uh, after the Air Force came back, and then when I was in the Air Force, I went to college. So I was either on duty or I was taking classes. I got about half my degree done while I was in active service, came back to Cleveland and graduated from Cleveland State. While I was at Cleveland State, I worked full time at Mount Sinai Hospital, which no longer exists, but that was a very progressive uh, hospital. And at the time, just about, I think I was a senior in college and about to graduate, they got a clinical information system, a pharmacy system, which was at the time unheard of. And uh, because of my background as a medic and working in the pharmacy, I got asked to help implement this new computer system. And that company needed people to implement these computers. So I was going to go off to law school and decided, well, you know, let me go get a paycheck for a couple of years and then maybe go back to graduate school and got into what you might know as the electronic medical record field, you know, when you go see a doctor. Yes. They yes. Put everything the MRs. Into, they, yeah, MRs. We put everything in a computer, right? Well, not that long ago, it was all paper driven and it was, um, you know, it was a huge opportunity there to change that. So, 
a company out of Kansas City by the name of Cern Corporation created the first electronic medical record. And I got in early on that and was doing implementation for them all over the country, all over the world, and uh, made my way up and spent 20 years in healthcare IT. And like I mentioned, gave me a lot of great experience. But And I got pretty high up, but there was a ceiling for me. You know, I didn't have that degree from that great school and what have you. And so in my mind, there were a few things that came together. One was I was never going to be a CEO of a public corporation. I was married with young kids at the time. I was on the road all the time. And I realized like if I didn't make a change soon, like my kids would never know me and I'd probably die of a heart attack in some hotel room in some foreign land, you know? And so that was not the direction I wanted to go. So everything came together. Uh, this was like 2005, 2006. My yep. wife and I started to realize like, okay, we need to start planning for a change. And I didn't know anything but healthcare IT, but I didn't want to do that. You know, I didn't want to get into consulting or anything like that. So we're like, all right, so what do we do? But we always vacationed around our hobby, which at the time was wine. We traveled and I traveled and went to all these cool places in New York City and Chicago and Paris and London, whatever. And went to these spaces and we were thinking like, man, I wish we had something like this in Cleveland. So that kind of sparked the idea of, well, you know, let's at least try it, right? What do we got to lose? There's Cleveland Heights is right here. It's in our backyard. Let's do, let's build a place that we would want to go hang out at, you know, and no experience whatsoever in beverage or restaurant or retail. I mean, you talk about set up to fail. Like we were like, <laughs> or like, okay, let's give it one year and see how it goes. So I put together a business plan. And it was like, I don't know, 2008, right? Remember those days, 2009? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> we went to the banks and the banks just like looked at us like, are you crazy? Like everybody sells wine. I mean, you get wine at grocery stores and drug stores and online. Like, so nobody wanted to fund us. And uh, long story short, we just decided, you know what? We're going to do this. We'll self-fund it. We'll start out small and kind of see how it goes. And, uh, we got very lucky. We looked at a lot of places. We knew we wanted to be in Cleveland Heights. Like that was a given. So we're on Lee Road. We're in what we call the historic Lee Road business business district. It's one of four major business districts in Cleveland Heights. Lee Road is the largest one, Cedar Lee business district. And there's a building in Cleveland Heights on Lee Road that was the Sykes Egan hardware store for like 70 years. And it's a, it was the most magical place. Everybody that grew up in the area, like grew up going there uh, as kids with their dad on Saturday afternoons to buy stuff, to do <laughs> home repair stuff. So everybody had a fond memory. I certainly came here growing up and the building became available. Our landlord was perfect. Small business owner wanted another small business owner in, knew we didn't know what, what we were doing and was there to kind of help mentor us. And so he was great. He structured the lease in a manner that, kind of made it somewhat safe for us. And uh, that was 11 years ago. We opened up in December, 2011 and never looked back, you know, giving up that corporate job, that paycheck was for me, like jumping off a cliff. Like I've been in a very safe position for 20 years with young kids at home and going from stability to nothing scared the, you know what out of me. And I can't imagine what my wife was thinking, but she's awesome. And she supported us. And here we are 11 years later. 
Yeah. I don't remember where I, I heard this, but someone had told me that the, the, the journey of entrepreneurship is after you jump off the cliff, it's putting the plane together on the, on the way down. Yeah. Now you're in survival mode, right? <laughs> yeah. It's real. It's like, all right, we did this. There's no going back. I mean, I guess I could, we could have stopped after a year and gone back to a corporate job, but man, there was so many great things happening that were just like, that's, give another year, let's give another year. And suddenly our lease was up and like, what do we do now? Well, let's sign a 10 year lease, mm. you know? So we're, yeah. we're obviously fully committed. There were a lot of things. I, I'd always worked for public companies and they were very good. I would not be here if it wasn't for the military and if it wasn't for my corporate experience. But there is a lot about corporate life that I never want to go back to, you know? And also program me for how I wanted to run my business, you know, and for me, it was about people. So, um, you know, taking care of your team and being yep. part of the community was like at the very top of our priorities, because it's not always like that out there in the cruel world. No, it, it is. It's not always just like that at all. Yeah. Take us through a little bit of what that, of what, that first year actually looks like, right? When, when you're, you're starting it out, you know, you're, you're kind of feeling your way around it in the dark. How do you, how do you, how do you piece together, you know, what the wine spot ultimately becomes? Well, so let me, let me kind of start here and go back. Yeah. 11 years later, I have people still to this day, like within the past month come in and say, you know, we came in when you first opened and we thought for sure you'd never make it. We have 4,000 square feet. Anybody that's been here knows we have a big building. And because we had kind of self-funded organically, we had like wine in the corner, you know, and we were a wine store. So I think people were coming in saying, where's, you know, where is everything? But listen, Cleveland is an amazing community. Cleveland Heights is an amazing community. Cleveland loves independent businesses. And I do strongly believe that we're here because of community went out of their way to support us. And so when we opened, it was December. It was a holiday mm-hmm. season. It's the busiest time of year for most retailers. And so we had a little bit of wine and we sold all of it. And then we brought more in and we kept selling it, kept selling it. The holidays were great. So much fun, we were backed. And then guess what happened? January came. <laughs> in January, things, that's the worst month. And it's snow and it's cold and it's gray. So we went from like the super high to the super low for the first couple months. There were days where like nobody came in. It was a most stressful and agonizing time. But, you know, you, you kind of go with it. Like I said, I, I knew enough to be dangerous. So we were marketing, partnering with the community, you know, being part of the broader Cleveland business community was always part of the idea from the beginning. So we just reached out to people. I mean, I look back at some of our partnerships early on, I made a list, but you know, we worked, you know, we worked with a local coffee roaster, uh, Russell's Coffee is a Cleveland's roaster to do a wine spot blend. We did some stuff with Brunots early on before they had their space, Sauce San, Clark Pope, we were the first retail location for Clark Pope's products. So we just, yeah. we just hustled, you know, we, we got an email list going right away. Like within a, a couple of weeks of opening, we started mailing emails out to people and doing tastings. We just did whatever we could to get our name out there and just organically kind of grew it over time. 
No, uh, yeah, I love that. In retrospect, you know, from 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 perspective you have now, like, what were the the biggest challenges that that you had encountered along the way that that you just you know could couldn't have anticipated, you know, about the, this kind of business, especially you know as starkly different as it was from you know your prior experience. You think if you build it, they will come, right? I was a wine geek for years before I opened up my wine store as a consumer first. And I would go shopping in wine stores. So I just thought when I opened the, the door, like all these wine geeks would just sort of show up and, and buy <laughs> wine from us. And the reality is they already have their places, right? And so I think that was psychologically, that was a hurdle I had to get over. Like it's not going to be easy, you know? And 11 years later, we're still every day we come in thinking about ways to evolve and get better and make sure that's part of it. You know, the seasonal variations that we still see is very real. But for the most part, we knew everybody was selling wine, right? And so we're just like, if we just do the best we possibly can every single day, we'll be okay. And what does that mean? That means being part of the community, having great service, certainly having great products. We spend a lot of time. We taste everything we bring in. We have great relationships with our with our partners, our vendors to get the best wines come, and beers coming in the state. But early on, you know, we were strictly retail and that's a very low margin business. And so it was about kind of just creating that demand to get people to come in. And then, and then what happened was because we had so much space, people would come in and, and say to us, you know, we love this spot, but we want to hang out. We want to have a glass of wine. We want to have a beer here. And so within a couple of years, we actually got a full liquor license, which we never imagined. Mm-hmm. But it made sense. There's more margin for the on-premise business, which is good. You know, it helped kind of bring some more cash into the business. And so that was a whole nother part of the business that we didn't anticipate, had no experience with, that we had to had to figure out. But we knew that there were going to be challenges all the time. We just needed to focus on being really good, the best we can, and just keep pushing forward. What What do you find are the the things that you wish people understood about about wine that that they don't, you know, the misconceptions people have? Oh boy! Um, so that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Uh, I, I was thinking about whether or not I should get into this in our talk, but not all wine is created equal. Okay. Do you, I mean, Jeffrey, do you read the labels on your food when the grocery store? You know, occasionally. <laughs> A lot of people do. They want to know what's in their food. With wine, they'd only have to tell you like that, the level of alcohol, plus or minus one half percent. They have to tell you where it's from and they have to put the, certain general warning on there, but they can't, they don't have to tell you really what's in there. Most people think like wine is basically a grape crushed, fermented and bottled, but it's not like that. Wines that you see everywhere, you know, you know, their names where they're making millions of bottles. It's just like mass produced food they're made in some factory somewhere versus the farm to table food that we care so much about. There's the same thing in wine. There's small family wineries in Ohio, the United States, all over the world that are still growing their grapes responsibly and making them the way they had been made for thousands of years. And that's by crushing, fermenting and bottling. And so those wines are what we focus on. They're healthier for you. You feel better in the morning. So I'll leave it at that. I'm not trying to discourage people from drinking wine, but I understand it's just like, it's just like food. 
And so if you're, if you care about what you put in your body and you care about your health and fine, fine wine or wine, doesn't have to be fine wine, same expensive, a little bit of research, go to your neighborhood wine shop, you know, and get to know somebody and they'll turn you on to some, some great wines like craft beer, right? Craft beer, craft wine, cocktails, same idea. Yeah. Was, was, was just going to make that, that connection actually. Yeah. So I want to segue a little bit here and it, I think we can layer on, on EO and just, you know, go down a, a little bit of a detour, you know, both how you got involved with it, you know, at a high level, what it is, you know, we mentioned at, at the onset, EO has made, you know, somewhat of a recurring appearance on, on the podcast from a few guests, you know, Chris Snyder, Aaron Grossman, a whole, a whole lot. And yeah. I, I want to take a little bit of time to just go over actually what this organization is. And I figure you'd, you'd actually be the best person to explore this, this detour with. Can we take it in two parts? One is kind of um, my journey and how I found it. And then after seven years, what I can tell you about it. Absolutely. Cool. So after this, having the store for a couple of years, my good friend, uh, Don Quintana, I don't know if you've ever been to Quintana's Barbershop and Speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have. They're an amazing couple. We, they're dear friends of ours. Dawn called me up and she's like, I just went through this Goldman Sachs program, 10,000 small business program. You should check it out. Yep. Yep. And if Dawn says jump, I jump. And so she said, do it. And I went to do it. And the program was amazing. It was at the time, 13 weeks. I was in cohort number five. And that is all about a growth plan, which is basically a business plan to focus on helping your business. And at that point, like I said, I kind of leveraged everything I knew from corporate but as a small business, like when you need help and you need legal help, you have to call an attorney, you have to call an accountant, you have to call, like they charge you a lot of money. So <laughs> yeah. half the time, most of the time you don't do it unless it's an emergency. Yeah. And you get yourself in all, all these other situations. So I kind of tapped out my experience from the business world and realized like, if I'm going to, if we're going to make a go of this, like I got to get into some some programs for entrepreneurs. And so we did the Goldman Sachs, absolutely loved the program. And a bunch of the people in my cohort, I became very close with. And when, we, when it ended up, when we ended, like there was nothing, we're done, right? And I had nothing to go to, which was kind of cool because I wanted to focus on my growth plan, which we put in place. But after a while, I felt like I was getting back in the same old habits. And I was talking with these folks in my cohort and most of them were in this thing called EO entrepreneur organization. And they kept inviting me out and I just, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll get to it. After about a year, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check this thing out and yeah. went to what's called a learning day. And I went to that learning day and the content was so amazing. I signed up that day. I'm like, I got my value today. Like from that, that, that one day, I got enough value. I'm like, sign me up. Here's a check. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to give it a year. And so that's how I kind of ended up in EO. I realized if I'm really going to go at this long term and really grow and be a better business, I've got to find kind of my tribe. And and for me, because of my experience in Goldman Sachs, I realized like these are the people that I, I need to be around. So what is EO? EO is an entrepreneur organization. It's a not-for-profit organization. It's about 30 years old. There's somewhere around 250 chapters around the world, I think close to 17,000 members. And the one thing we all have in common is we all are business owners. And so that's the connection, right? And, it, and what I say is 
we can talk to our best friends about certain things. We can talk to people. You could talk to your spouse about certain things. There's people that you can talk about certain things about, but when it comes to the business, you don't always want to open up because there's a lot of stuff under there that's not positive sometimes, you know, and you feel like they can't necessarily understand where you're coming from or they can't help you. And in that case, where do you go to? And this is kind of that group. So EO is really in simplest form an organization is a network of 17,000 business owners around the world that you can pick up the phone and get help from. So there's content, there's monthly forums, there's learning events, uh, but it, it's about that connection. And I've been in for seven years. I went through the accelerator program for a year. So Goldman Sachs accelerator for one year and then went into EO. I mean, like I said, I'm in my seventh year and mm-hmm. like I've been all over the world with EO. I have friends now in EO that own companies all over the world, certainly all over the country. I talk to them regularly and uh, it's been invaluable for, for me uh, because at this point there's nothing that happens in my business that doesn't one way or another go through EO. It's just the way it is. In fact, the, the story I tell is when I first got in, my wife would, when something happened at the shop, she'd be like, what are you going to do now? And now yeah. something happens, she'd be like, well, she'd be like who, are you, who in EO are you going to call? You know, so <laughs> if, she, if she gets it, then uh, I guess, I guess it's kind of validated itself. Yeah. It, it, it seems like the component of, of EO, I, I find somewhat fascinating and it, it's, it's not too dissimilar actually to, you know, some of my own motivations for this podcast in the first place. And it's, you know, kind of through this lens of to to learn and master the best of what other people have have already figured out. And I think one of the the most surprising things to me about the whole you know higher level look at at businesses is the degree to which everyone's story is somewhat unique, but how much of the problems are are universal. <laughs> you know, all these companies are are solving very different things, but but the the crux of like the different challenges you have on the day to day there. They're very, it's a very similar set of problems, regardless of, of what you're, you're, you're working to solve. Yeah. As a, as a business owner, there's nothing that I haven't dealt with or will deal with that one of my peers hasn't already dealt with probably multiple times. And whatever scenario they have gone down to get resolution, like they're willing to share it. I'm amazed by the transparency of EO people. So I never feel awkward or ashamed to ask somebody like a really stupid question about how should I handle this or how have you handled this in the past? Kind of an experience share. And I tell a story, I got to go to a conference in Frankfurt before COVID and Mm -hmm. I had dinner with guys from Hong Kong and Dubai and India that were like B level businesses in EO and they first night we met, they talked to me and treated me like an equal. You know, we talked about a lot of really, really open stuff. And how do you get to do that? Like, there's not a lot of ways in this world to be able to do that anymore. And that's kind of what it offered. If you Google organizations for entrepreneurs, like EO comes yeah. up first. It's very interesting with the broad reach of this kind of global network. The people in Cleveland, unless you've had exposure to it, really don't know about it. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate this year I'm the president of EO. I don't know how I got here, but I'm halfway through <laughs> the term. And we did our, our we did our mid-year town hall yesterday. It was fantastic. We did it at Coda in Tremont and uh, had a great turnout. 
um, and it's, it was just, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. It just amazes me how it's kind of the best kept secret for entrepreneurs in the city, but we're going to, we're going to change that. Right now there's about 150 members. We've been around yeah. in Cleveland for 23 years. So 30 year old organization. Cleveland's been around for 23 years. So a very strong organization. Hundreds of people have been through it and have been helped. Like we said, close to 10% of the folks that you have had on this, uh, on this show are EO members. So we're out there, you know, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It does feel like a, a a very you know I don't know intentionally or not, but it sounds like you know we can spread the word, but a, a good kept secret. <laughs> the cool thing about it is it's kind of you know being being on the board. I've had different positions, and now being president, you know I'm I've got a board, and there's these 150 members, and there's an accelerator group, and we have this one year program. It's kind of overwhelming to think that you know, somebody like me running this really small business, this real tail shop can lead a group of people. Some of these people have been in EO for 20 years, highly successful, sold companies, you know, multiple times, much more successful than me to be in this position. But it's been really great, a great way for me to grow, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to kind of lead a team of your peers is not like leading your team, you know, because these are all leaders. How do you motivate them to do things is something that's taken a lot of time trying to preserve those relationships. You know, like we've got stuff to do sure, yeah, We're on the board. We committed, let's get it done. But at the end, we still want to be friends. And so it's, it's a different <laughs> approach than when you've got your team in your business and how you mo- motivate them. Cause we're all volunteers, you know, we're all on the board. We all pay to be pay to play. We don't get paid to do anything. We're all volunteering, but it's a, it's, it's kind of a way to give back. But it's been it's been fun, you know, my age after all my experience now to be able to still grow personally and professionally through through the experience. Yeah. What what, what have been some of those those learnings and, and takeaways in in this kind of role? And then you know to to kind of layer back on you know the wine spot. How do you think about you know success respectively in 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 both of these worlds and 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 the work you're doing? Yeah, there's some really hard driving CEOs in EO. If you've done like personality tests and things like that, we're definitely different. People, their MOs are different. And yeah, there's some people out there that just like, there's the hill, let's charge and go get it. You know, and when you're working with them and you're working on a project and they're running a business and they have a young family and they have a lot going on, like isn't necessarily the top priorities, but listen, we, we make these commitments. So how do we work together? Like I said, to, to get things done in a timely manner, because ultimately we want to, we want to bring the best value to the membership because people pay to be part of EO and it's our job to develop a program. That's a high impact, high value. So, so understanding how people are programmed to get things done and then working with them. There's a, there's a, a personality, I think it's a personality test. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give props to it. It's called Culture Index. I know there's a lot of them out there. I personally love Culture oh, I haven't, Index. I haven't heard of that one. You have Culture not? Index. It's amazing. It, it, it totally pegs you. And there's like 18 different categories of profiles. And so when we did our, for EO last year, we did our strategic summit, kind of get everybody in your room together and figure out like what we're going to get done this year. The first thing we did was we had everybody on the board take the culture index test. And so the very first day we're together, 
we had somebody that knows Culture Index that put us in the groups of how we, like our MO, like some people are, not to get too deep, but uh, very personable people, right? Very friendly. They're great social people. Make, they're great salespeople, but they can't tie their shoelaces, right? Because they've got so many ideas and they're just visionaries and, uh, you know, what have you. And there's other people that don't necessarily want to be part, you know, in the middle of a crowd, but they love getting things done. You know, they're very detail focused. So you have to, it was really helpful for us to understand as a board together, like who fits into what category based on their role. And so when we approach things and we ask people to do things or put committees together, we have a balanced approach of people that are like go-getters, go-getters, go-getters with the people that actually get stuff done. And so, uh, you know, that's been, that's been kind of cool. There's other traits, personality trait tests out there, but I like culture index. Now I imagine that's a particularly fun exercise with the, the, the cohort of, of people that you're working with there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that was one way that we kind of level set things and kind of minimized any tension or potential problems down the road with working together. And the reality is we all have a blast together. Hmm. We love getting together. We have a good time. Do, do you find through, through EO that there are particular sets of problems that just are the most common, you know, like, and maybe the flip side of that is like, what, what do you find maybe is the most extensible company building advice, you know, as it relates to maybe the most common problems are, are there mm. things that just constantly come up? Well, I don't know about that, but I think if you talk to anybody that owns their own business, the most important thing that we deal with is our team, you know, because they have their lives, especially coming out of COVID. I mean, the world was tough enough before COVID. It's crazy right now. And so people are dealing with a lot of things and we all, when we get together, talk about, you know, just what we're dealing with personally and professionally and our team members and how to keep them in a safe place, in a positive place, keep them motivated to get things, you know, to get, get the job done, I guess. And so having a balanced approach. When we, like I said, when we first started, I saw some, some things in corporate America that just made me shake my head about the way people were treated. I'm sure we've not been perfect, but our number one goal from the beginning was if we take care of our people, everything else will fall in place. And it's even more important now is first and foremost, making a decision uh, in as much as we can in favor of our, our team, our people. So they're, you know, so they're in a good place. And, uh, I think that's probably the main thing that we talk about. And then you've got everything else, right? Then you've got the marketing, growing the business. How do we get funding? Debt, no debt, you know, real estate, laws, accounting, that the list goes on. Yes, it is an endless list. Yeah, survival. <laughs> that's there too. Well, I, I want to kind of go back to uh, success, you know, from the, from the wine spot pr perspective and, you know, just kind of ask, what is the the kind of impact that, that you're hoping to have looking back in, in retrospect with it and, and through it? I'd like to think that we're still here and growing after 11 years because we're doing the right things. I do thank our community, Clevelandites and Greater Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, for supporting us, going out of their way to support us. So I'm hoping that our service that we offer 
is great because that's what we strive for. I'm really super proud of what we've done in the community. And that was really important from the perspective of being part of, of the area. So early on, I got on the board of Future Heights. Like the first thing I did after I opened the business was get on the board of Future Heights, which is a local not-for-profit that advocates for the community and the merchants. And we did a few things as part of that that are still going on that I'm proud of. So we created the Heights Music Hop, which hopefully um, a lot of people have heard about. It's a music festival that happens every September. We, I think, took a break for one year during COVID, but I was a uh, co-founder of that, and that's really great for our area. It brings a lot of people to the community. We started Bitcoin Boulevard in 2014, which was a crazy experience, if you want to talk about that. Only the second sure, yeah. Boulevard in the world behind The Hague in the Netherlands. Uh, and then we started the Clevelandites Happy 5K and 10K. I think we're going into our ninth year. And that yeah. raises funds for the Clevelandites Youth Scholarship Fund. And that's been super successful. So those are the things I look back on that I think in the end I'll be most proud of is a community. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, working with schools and the churches and the synagogues and the book clubs and just, you know, giving people a place to come hang out. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. I think the, the space is, uh, and the community around it, it's important. I'll, I'll, I'll bite on the, the Bitcoin Boulevard. You know, what, 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 what is that? Never heard of it? No, I actually haven't, uh, but I would love to hear about it. So a good friend of ours uh, who lives here in the area, Nikki Chand, is a technologist. And Nikki came in, I think it must have been 2014, right around the time that we were kind of getting our legs underneath us. And he walks in with another friend who's one of the council people. And, and he's like, hey, I heard of Bitcoin. And he's like, yeah, I've got this idea. There's a thing called Bitcoin Boulevard in The Hague. And there's all these people that have all this Bitcoin money and they have nowhere to spend it. And in The Hague, they created this street where there's all these restaurants and bars and all the merchants take the Bitcoin. So people come from all over because they've got this Bitcoin they want to spend. And I know Bitcoin has, is kind of scarred right now with what's happened in the recent press. Sure. But I at least heard about it. And the catch was, if you talk to any retailer, one of our bi biggest expense is credit card fees. It's thousands of dollars that come out of our bottom line every month. And we really have no control. I mean, I think our credit card, our transactions are probably 95% credit card here. If I didn't take credit cards, if we were a cash-only business, we'd go under in a week. So it's like a necessary evil. And the credit card companies change their fees all the time. It's impossible to keep an eye on it. And what Nikki said was, there's these exchanges you can use that don't charge any money for Bitcoin transactions, you know, cryptocurrency transactions. So you could theoretically do transactions and not pay any fees. So in my mind, I'm thinking, this is a small business initiative. Like, why wouldn't we as a small business want to do this, right? So there was one thing that, you know, if, if you have ever been involved in liquor, liquor licenses, they're very strict. They're very black and white. You can't interpret liquor laws. You have to follow them. So there was a little, little gray area there. But what we found out was that 
I don't know how deep you want to go here, but I could talk about this for a while. No, I've, I've, yeah, let's, let's, go. <laughs> let's, let's, keep going. let's go down the rabbit hole. Okay. So we could take with an app on our phone, a Bitcoin transaction. So Jeffrey, you walk in, you've got a Bitcoin wallet. It's on your phone. I've got an app. That's my exchange. You want to spend $10 on a bottle of wine. You pull it out of your wallet. You connect it to my wallet. And we get a transaction and I'm guaranteed $10 in Bitcoin. So I can do two things with it. I can either take the Bitcoin as Bitcoin or I can convert it immediately to U.S. dollars. And so knowing liquor laws and the state hadn't addressed liquor laws yet with cryptocurrency, I set up a separate account and I, we just converted that money into U.S. dollars immediately. So we never actually took Bitcoin, but people with, with Bitcoin could, could come spend it here. And to me, that was a way to do it safely. In the meantime, I contacted a good friend who's a state rep, and I'm like, Janine, you got to know about this. Like, there is this thing called Bitcoin cryptocurrency. There's these exchanges. Like, this is, if I'm in politics and I want to be pro-small business, like, I want to get behind this. And so she took it on. Unfortunately, uh, the state of Ohio ended up after a few months saying that that they didn't accept cryptocurrency because they were worried that people they were worried they want you know they want the revenue and if sure, yeah, it crashed they were thinking if somebody comes in and spends their Bitcoin currency at two o'clock and it's ten dollars but Bitcoin crashes and the state only gets thirty cents they don't get the revenue what they didn't realize was no they're guaranteed that money but I didn't want to push it uh, so veg so. So eventually we had to, we stopped it. Incidentally, the day after the state of Ohio ruled that you couldn't use cryptocurrency for alcohol, the state of Texas released a press release that said, unlike the state of Ohio, you can use <laughs> cryptocurrency to buy uh, alcohol in Texas. But no, I got it. You know, it's, I understand we didn't want to mess with our livelihood, but we created the second, I think there were 16 businesses on Lee Road that set up a Bitcoin boulevard, everything from restaurants to bars to coffee houses, the chocolate here, chocolatier, Mitchell's chocolates here. And we were getting people in from Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan, coming into Lee Road, Cleveland Heights to spend their Bitcoin currency. We were on podcasts. We were in Newsweek. We were on South Korean television. We were on Encore TV. Encore. Uh, wow. I mean, it really was very cool. It all happened because of Nikki having this great idea. And I yeah. I do think it is the future, but maybe it was just a little bit ahead of their time. But that was super fun. But yeah, if you Google Bitcoin Boulevard USA, you'll, it's still out there. Newsweek, it's still out there. Article's out there. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I, that I'm was, glad we... <laughs> it gives you a sense. It's kind of the, the adventure you want to you wanna be on the front end of the, the sort of, I guess, I don't want to call it risk-taking, but... As a small business owner, you really shouldn't sit on your laurels. You know, you got to make things happen and create things. So, what has you most excited looking forward, running with that theme? I don't know. Business is good. You know, I'm having a super fun time with EO. We just, uh, I'll get back to it. We just did something pretty exciting and didn't mention it. We just signed a lease for the first EO. We called the EO Think Big, Be Bold Space. So, we signed up for our very own dedicated space. It's on Boulevard, right by the stadium, central Cleveland. So for the first time in 23 years, 
we'll have like a place to go hang out at and have all our meetings. And so that's pretty exciting. So uh, I think we'll, as that gets out of the community, more people will be aware. So I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah. I'm excited about growing my business, maybe another location down the road, but continuing to grow what we're doing here. And we're just, we're just having fun. We're, we're enjoying the ride. That's, that's the most important part, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I guess as, as we worked to, to, to close out here, let's kind of throw it out there in terms of, you know, kind of the, the reflections you have on, on, on any of it, you know, from, from the wine spot to, to EO, what do you feel are the, the most meaningful full takeaways that, that you're, you're carrying with you as you uh, reflect on the experience so far? Yeah, I think it's the, the relationships, you know, ever since I, I started down the journey of being a entrepreneur, I've met so many people have done so many cool things I never, ever, ever imagined. It is, it is without a doubt, a second chapter in my life. And so that's been uh, the biggest surprise that I didn't anticipate. And, the you know, the most fun, I've, I've got like lifelong friends now that I didn't have 11 years ago. And a lot of them, you know, so I kind of cherish that. I mean, certainly wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for that. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't want to have me on. Uh, I had no story. So that's been fun. My, so yeah, I think it's just the relationships. It's all about the people, right? The relationships in life that you make. Yep. It's all about people having fun along the way. Yeah. yeah. When you're in a wine store, there's a lot of fun involved. <laughs> there's no stress, you know, there's no suits anymore. I wear t-shirts to work. Yeah. People come in. Oh, it's nice. It's a cool thing. Like where we are, it's a really cool mixed community, right? We've got the museums nearby. We've got the hospitals. We've got the colleges. Our customer base is so diverse, but everybody comes in, they come in happy and they leave happier. Like, you know, it's just, it's a good, it's a good place to be making people happy. Like we like to say we are, we are people's happy place. Like you, you never know what, what has happened to a person before they walk in the door. Right. And that's what we talk about as a team. Like it could be somebody who had like, the worst day at work. It could be the wife at home that has three young kids, hasn't slept in days. They got a call from their spouse, their partner saying, Hey, I'm bringing some business associates home for dinner. Can you get a bottle of wine? Like people could be in a really bad state. So when they walk in that door, it could be the highlight of their day, you know, coming in here. That could be the one thing they look forward to. And so, A, we got to make them feel comfortable and welcome and make sure that they're treated right because everybody leaves happy. Mm, I love that. That's great. I'll have to come by a little bit more frequently. <laughs> <laughs> You're always welcome. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll close it out here with uh, our, our traditional closing question, which is for not necessarily your favorite thing in Cleveland, but for something that other folks may not know about that uh, perhaps they should? Well, certainly thought about this. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of things I could have talked about, but I, I, I was a lifelong runner. And as you get older, it's tougher and tougher to run. So I switched over to mountain biking a few years ago. I think one of the most special things about Cleveland is all the amazing mountain biking trails we have, you know, the Metro parks. That is just an amazing escape that you can be in the middle of nowhere on this bike Regardless of your level of expertise, you don't have to be a, a super technical rider. You can just go for this ride and uh, just get away for an hour or two, get some great exercise, be out, and, be out in the open. 
And the fact that there's every year there's more and more of these beautiful trails in Cleveland, like to me, that's everybody should be taking advantage of it. I know a lot of people hike in the metro parks and what have you, but uh, for me, that's that's uh, pretty special. Do you have a, a favorite favorite trail? You know, Bedford is a great trail because mm. it's not very technical, but man, do the whole Bedford trail, you have got a great workout, a great workout. I've done marathons. I've done half marathons. You can spend an hour on a mountain bike and, or not, not even an hour, you do half hour on a mountain bike and feel like you've done a marathon. So uh, Bedford is a little bit of everything in that it's got some, you know, twists and turns, but you can just have yeah. a really great ride for a long time there. Mm, uh, sounds awesome. Yeah. Have to check it out. Well, Adam, I, I really uh, appreciate, you know, you coming on and, and uh, sharing a little bit about yourself and, and the wine spot and you know, and uh, so thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm such a, so grateful to, to have the opportunity to talk with you and meet you and uh, would love to host you here one day. You get a chance. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. If people had anything they wanted to follow up with you about, you know, read the wine spot about entrepreneurs organization anything else, you know, what, what would be the, the best way for them to do so? I'm easy to reach. My email is Adam, A-D-A-M, at thewinespotonline.com. We'd love to hear from people, especially if you own a business and you want to hear about EO. Cool. Well, thank you again. Good to talk to you, Jeffrey. You have a wonderful, uh, wonderful day, wonderful weekend. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with The Up Company, LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.